Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Cisco. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure that history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. And we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next newest episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hoffman. With me, as always, is Brian the Engineer. Hello, Brian. Hello, Jordan. And we just watched episode five. What's the name of episode five? It's not long, like... It's the much books. shorter, yeah. It's not... Uh, it's like, choose your pain. Choose your... Oh, choose your pain, of course, yes. as the Klingons will tell you to do. Choose your pain. Uh, but today, we say choose your pleasure because... Oh, what's that? I hear the phone's about to ring. The phone's ringing. Why? It's uh, Anthony Rapp on the phone who's going to join us for a few minutes to discuss the r- shocking turn of events in his character at the end of Choose Your Pain. Let's go to that conversation now. Hi. Hey, Anthony. How you doing? Very well. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully, and welcome to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. It's wonderful uh, to have you on. Thank you. It's fancy. I'm on the fancy official Star Trek <laughs> wait, podcast. Wait, let me, let me beam me in. Ooh, I don't know if you can hear that oh, over there. I can. Oh, uh, let me say red alert. Hold on. Oh, oh. Okay. Oh. D- don't worry, Anthony. I got about 75 other buttons. Just stay right there, and we'll get through them all. That's exciting. <laughs> well, listen, it's very exciting to have you on. I've been a big fan of your work ever since I saw Dazed and Confused as a young lad. Uh, with, That's cool. You know, you talk about a, a ship traveling, the, the three of you in that car is almost as exciting as the Discovery. So uh, yeah. it's uh, almost as many bold new worlds there. Uh, but uh, it's really great to talk to you because I love the character. I love what you're doing with it. I love spores. I love mycelium power and mushrooms. And um, I also Did you know that you love these things before you saw the show. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I I knew them because I recently saw a documentary about slime mold. There's a, oh. <laughs> there's a movie about slime mold called The Creeping Garden that I saw about two years ago, and it was then when I discovered I loved spores and slime mold and stuff. And then when I heard that your character was was a astromycologist i got very very excited the question for you is how much have you been reading about slime and spores and and, and mushrooms i mean it seems like i mean as an actor you, you one has to prepare correct well i i watched um the the real life paul stamets's uh ted talk which was incredibly inspiring 
Um, and I don't know if you've had the chance yourself to do it, but if not, I, I urge you to. And one of the things that I'm most excited about with the possibility that the, that our show is getting some notoriety and success is that it can direct people to him because he is doing leading edge, incredible work in the field of mycology. And I really do believe his, the statement that he makes at the top of his TED talk is that mushrooms can save the world. And I, and he then makes his case and I'm on board with him. I believe him. So uh, that's one aspect. There's, I'm also a big video game nerd and there's a game that came out a couple years ago called the last of us that is based on there's certain spores that take over like spiders and ants and other creatures. And it kind of, makes them do their will, which is kind of insane. And so it, it, this game is sort of the, the sort of darker side of spores that they could maybe do that to human beings. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the fact that, you know, the, the, he, Paul Stamets and I have been corresponding. He just sent me an email where they found fossils of mycelium that are hundreds of millions of years old. It's awesome. <laughs> that, that there's, there's just deep, deep, incredible stuff at the That's core. That's great. You know, you know, so- it's really I'm cool. proud that our show is. I'm proud that our show is is standing on the shoulders of real science and <laughs> into a speculative place. But you know, yeah, bringing the love to you know because there was a guy at an Allman Brothers concert that was really trying to turn me on to mushrooms. But you guys have been doing a much better job. You know, it's uh, there. You go. Um, it's it's pretty wild. Uh, you know, so you talk about the let. Let's cut to the chase here. We've seen episode five. Brian, the producer, and I. So uh, we know that you know. Whereas the tardigrade. Wore the nipple clamps in episode four. This year, they, this episode, you, you put them on yourself, and you now have your character, not you, has tardigrade DNA in you that has made you into some sort of spore man that is going to <laughs> have you connect with the with the, with the world of what's happening in Mushroom Dumb. Is this a heel turn? Are you going to find yourself becoming a villain next? I'm very nervous because I love the Paul Stamets that I love. I don't. I don't want him to become a bad guy. Uh, why would you assume that it would be a bad guy? I mean, it's the mycelial network is the is part of the veins and muscles of the universe. It's the it's what connects life. So why would that necessarily be a bad thing? Well, I'll tell you because in uh, because I've seen this before. In Star Trek, the original series, when Gary Mitchell went through the galactic barrier and his ESP, ESP level went through the roof and he had the powers of a god and suddenly he became a villain. Yes, I've seen that episode, yes. <laughs> I'm worried. I don't, I don't want to see you buried under a rock like he was. Well, because, I mean, there's, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily what, what I'm able to do is, you know, going to make me have power over the people. Okay. All right. So, so it's it's a, it's a it's an opportunity to make real the lifelong pursuit to understand the mysteries of the universe. How great is it that your character was always fascinated with this aspect of science and now he has become that thing or at least so so we understand. Yeah, it's 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 uh probably, you know, I think he has a hard time describing it to his partner in the in the bathroom scene yeah. towards the end of the episode, but it is uh incredibly life affirming. Yeah. And life, life altering and mind altering and uh, fulfilling. So I think it, it's profound to say the least. Yeah. I mean, well, well, there's a. It's weird when you, it's weird when you can say the word profound is an understatement. But <laughs> an understatement. <laughs> well, you know that scene that you talk mentioned just then, which I wanted to bring up, is profound as a Star Trek fan because it is finally, after all this time, the first time that we have seen a 
what appears to be a domestic partnership. It, I think that's. I think you share that 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 home. I don't think you're yeah. staying over for the night. But there is the yeah. there is the shared domestic partnership between two men on uh, Discovery, which is uh, you know there we'll, we'll 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 certainly get no shortage of cheers from people in the audience. And it was so perfectly done because what I always think of is what is the what is a level of intimacy? Well, there's, you know, this physical intimacy, but it's, you know, having a toothbrush over and brushing your teeth. Yeah. That's, that's real yeah. intimacy. That's living together. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, I think that the writers were really, really... Um, I mean, I know that Aaron Harbert, who's one of our showrunners, has gone on record saying that, at least to me personally, and I think somewhere, but that he wanted it, he wanted that because it, it, it is so relatable and it is so human and it is so truly a demonstration of partnership of of cohabitation of sharing a life together um that yeah and it tells that story in in a in a in a lovely shorthand way yeah and i think it's the first time we've ever seen somebody brush their teeth on star trek yeah exactly <laughs> and you know our notion too is that these are super future toothbrushes so essentially you just have to move them around your mouth and they do the work for you kind of thing <laughs> you can't just buy those at Dwayne reed they're serious business yeah. yeah uh you know there's another big first uh on this episode, uh, and so you were not the first. You were the second person to drop an F-bomb in Star Trek. Yes, yes. Congratulations. It's a, it's a little childish to, to talk about cuss words and giggle, but on the other hand, it is, it is an evidence of the realism that is happening on Discovery that is uh, going forward. So when you got those pages that day, was that a, a big surprise, or what was that like? Yeah, it was a surprise, but it also felt really true to the moment, you know, and it was really, I thought, very sweetly done in the sense that Tilly gets to be the one who first does it. And <laughs> But it's, a, it's you know, it's an expression of joy at a scientific breakthrough. And, you know, that's a big difference than telling somebody to go fuck themselves. Right. You know? Right. Um, so the, if it's going to if it was going to happen in our show, I, I'm really happy that it happened in the way that, that it did. Yeah. I mean, because it was it was a really feeling the fans. I mean, as as a huge Star Trek fan. I mean, I'm enjoying so many aspects of the show, and part of what I'm enjoying is, and I would list this right at the top, is all the weird spore drive stuff. I mean, I keep I keep mentioning spore drive in life. Like, I keep saying, oh, I wish I had my spore drive today. I can get to work a lot, a lot faster. So, digging into this weird science, which I'll confess I don't 100% understand, but I get most of it, is uh, is really cool, and when there's this moment where it kind of recaps everything, it is fucking cool, and it's great that Tilly, because she's such a great character. So, um, yeah, lots of fun, lots of fun stuff on that. Must have been a fun day. It was a very fun day. That that, that you're, you're talking specifically about the day we were standing in front of the screen that day, or the day that we were brushing our teeth. I'm sorry, because we've been talking about both those things. Well, uh, I would imagine that both of them were quite fun for you. Because, they were, yeah. But the day, the day of us, the three of us standing in front of the screen was particularly fun because it was like, what, you know, at first glance, it was like one of those scenes that I called at the AD, or I texted the ADs. I was like, when are we shooting this scene? Because I want to make sure that I have a big jump on it because it, it was a mouthful. And we all kind of felt that way. And then when we came in to shoot it, it was like jazz. I mean, we really, <laughs> it, it, you know, and I don't, I don't know if that sounds pretentious, but it just, it was. We were just playing ball and, and having a blast with each other. And, uh, it, it, you know, we had to do it in many different takes and many different setups. So we did it for quite a while. And it was, we, we got in a really wonderful rhythm and flow with each other on it. And it was, it was a pleasure. Yeah, because it is very musical. The Trekno babble, as we like to call it, is 
it, it makes sense and it's vetted and it, it is scientific, but it's meant to be heard but not 100% understood, right? It's, it's, it is just, like you say, a mouthful. So you can do it a lot of different ways. Yeah, and however, if you do, like, if you read subtitles along with it or listen to it again, I promise you it all makes sense. <laughs> it all does track. It's not like just random word salads, which apparently at different points and other iterations they did admit to sometimes just making word salads. Yeah, um, there's some good supercuts on the internet of Trek No Babble. Uh, Jerry Ryan not only had to wear the most ridiculous outfit in Star Trek and nearly crack a rib every day, she got some of the most heinous blocks of, of Trek No Babble ever to speak, but she does it very well. She does it, she does it tremendously well. Um, I do want to ask about shooting of the very last shot of the last scene um, where, you know, you walk away from the mirror and there's a double there. Um, yeah. The little, you know, Groucho Marx duck soup thing going on there. Was that, um, how was that done? Was that, was that, was it a stand-in on the other side or was it just? No, was, there, there were just different, I can't remember exactly, but we had to do very various different versions and, you know, sometimes where the what they call an empty plate, where the camera is just there taking the mirror in, and then the, where I'm in and where I'm not in. You know, there was a very, and we did different versions where I saw myself or didn't see myself, or where I had different expressions. You know, there were a lot of different versions of it. Whoa. So it was just a you know, and then it's a process of in the editing room seeing which one makes the most sense and which speaks the, the best. Yeah. The now I, I know you can't say, but like, are you exi- is your character existing in? two different parts space and time is it two dimensions is it is it just delay is it just mirror land who knows um it's you know the the i've, I've taken a trip on the mycelial network <laughs> and uh doors of perception have been opened and there's all sorts of interesting ripple effects and oh, that's a little that's a little seed that's planted that i promise will bear fruit i love that you're so into mushrooms your character that when you want to say tomato tomato you say portobello portobello was was that in draft one or did that come later no that was in draft one all right so so there the jokes are in there early that's great sure that's awesome well listen i know you don't have too much more time to speak but i do know because i as all star trek fans are we've been following you on social media and you have like so many other members of discovery really sunk your teeth into star trek lore and you've been reading some of the star trek novels which one are you in the middle of right now um i started reading desperate hours it's been really hard to read in the last like week or two since it came out because i've been you know we had comic-con and filming and came home and i'm trying to live my life so yeah i'm making my way through it but i'm enjoying it very much it's been great to get the, these extra glimpses into these characters that I love so much as a as as a human being being in a show about them and then just getting to learn more about them and I'm I'm really hopeful I'm I'm urging Doug and Sonequa and Michelle to to read that book as well just you know if, as well as everybody else but just to have these extra insights into what makes their characters tick and the history that they share yeah yeah them, it would, it'll be especially interesting for them because you know I mean, all actors are different, but many kind of create their own backstory, and then, like, oh look, this is, and and here it is in book form. We, we you know, oh, hopefully you'll agree with with how it is here. But uh, even if not, it would be just sort of an interesting read, I would imagine. Yeah, and there's the the really lovely moment in in, in this current episode where Saru has that conversation with Burnham in her quarters, and he talks about his jealousy toward her, and you know, it's 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 wonderfully fleshed out in the in the novel that you get to see it firsthand awesome yeah 
Um, well, I haven't gotten to that one yet. I'm a little bit behind, but I do have a copy of it on my desk, and I'm uh, excited. And I know that you were reading some of the earlier ones. Some, I think it was original series stuff. Uh, yeah, I read. I, I read uh, Final Reflection, which was very interesting. Um, and, and you know, from what you know, it's like, and in terms of its history in the in the Star Trek universe, it was one of the first anything to really deep do a deep dive into the culture of the Klingons. And I know that it has had some influence on our writers. And I know Kenneth Mitchell, who's playing um, Cole, Cole, Cole in our show, uh, um, read it and was very inspired by it. So I, that was a very cool read. And then uh, I started um, Final Frontier at the, at the rec- multiple recommendations on Twitter. But that I was in the middle of it when Desperate Hours came out, and I wanted to read that first, too, because it's so directly relatable to what's happening in our show and I wanted to be able to speak to people about it. So. If only you had a mirror reflection of yourself to do two things at once. If only there was a mycelium network. It's a, it's a shame. I know. I know. <laughs> Someday. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it and I hope that we get to continue speaking with you as this show continues. Uh, it ain't going anywhere uh, from where we're sitting and uh, really been enjoying it. Been It's been a lot of fun so far. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Engage. Engage. The official Star Trek podcast. Energize. All right, and we're back. Episode 5, man. Brian, the engineer, is episode 5 your favorite of the five? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's like picking between my children, which I only have one of, which that's easy. But still, if this is a, if I had five and I had to pick one, um, I, I really did enjoy this episode. Um, I I think it's I think, and again, I kind of wait. Can't wait to reassess. And the fact that I want to watch it again is good because that means I, I I plan to reassess. But I feel like the best episode so far. If I were to rank them all, it goes five, four, three, two, one. I feel like they're just wow. getting better each time. I almost wanted to 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 separate three, four, and five from the first two. Like I feel like the first yeah. two was like was it's different. Different, beast. different. It, it beast. was almost like like a like a movie to me. When uh, many moons from now, when we learn what really happened during the production of this, and you know, because Brian Fuller, who we love and respect, was very involved in one and two, and then not so much in the others. That is true. There's 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 depth. There is something to be said about the fact that this show kind of begins with episode three. Yes. And episode one and two maybe all could have been compressed to a 15-minute flashback. Wow. But you can't do that because I spent so much money on it. But I I, no, you I, gotta, I, I liked it so oh, much, though. I like though. it, too. I like it, too. But you, you got and you got to get to love Philippa Giorgio also. Yes, yeah, the, you need to, uh, to do that. All right. I mean, I, I guess they could have... Maybe they could have separated that whole sister, uh, that whole arc as flashbacks throughout the series. I guarantee you they talked about it. I'm sure they sat in a room. But no, they wanted to open big on CBS regular 
Yeah. To hook them in. And so what I'm told, by the way, is that more and more people are signing up for CBS All Access. Yeah, no, I heard, I've heard it's been gangbusters. This has been, um, uh, according to sources, sources say this just in. Hold on. This just in. Oh, that's the wrong button. Space. Oh, Jesus. Accomplished. All right. Space. This just in. Accomplished. Uh, that, that is the accomplishment of the bean counters at CBS All Access. They say that it's exponential growth. Yes. Of course, anything over zero is going to be big. Yes. But it's exponential growth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because there were not very many people watching CBS All Access before, but now there are many. And, you know, since we're on the topic, let's let people know, if you live in these United States, uh, CBS All Access is the way to go to watch Star Trek Discovery, which is a show that we talk about a lot on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Um, and it is uh, six bucks a month, and you get all of uh, Discovery, you get all of every other Star Trek show, you get new shows, like, uh, you know, Young Sheldon and the CSI New Orleans and, um, uh, you know, other legacy shows like The Twilight Zone and I Love Lucy and Cheers and whatnot. And some movies, too. There's some, like, unexpected movies in there. Some of them are great. Some of them are, well, oh, I haven't thought about that one in a while. And it's only six bucks a month and you get live CBS. So if you're a cord cutter and there's something big happening on CBS. You can watch it. Big live. football game. Uh, big sort of like a, an event. Like a couple weeks ago it was the Emmys. Um so, you know, whatever is happening, you can watch that live or the news. Sometimes you want to know what's happening in the world. So for six bucks a month, you get your uh, CBS All Access comes out to, you know, how many? How many is that per week? A dollar and a half? You Do know, we figured this out one week. Six quarters. Mm. Six, six quarters. quarters. Well, yes, you get your first right. week free. That's so right. it's even less. So you go to CBS.com slash Star Trek and or just go to All Access. And it's funny. In this episode, episode five, there was a line. Oh, Yes. She says, was it Tilly or was it no, Burnham? No, it was Burnham. Burnham, Burnham, says, Burnham it. says it. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I hope, like, you know, I'd like to believe that it was in there at first not as a reference, but then eventually they had to realize no, that she it was No, it felt like it. I also got a kick out of- It, um, it was a joke from the beginning? Because she said, what, the, what we're dancing around is there's a line where she says, this Ripper, who's the tardigrade, it is an all-access pass to the galaxy- and I'm like, that is, is that going to be like in the ad? Are they going to cut that out? Maybe. Who knows? We I, should cut that out. I, okay. We should cut I it out do, and use that I as a soundbite. I could do that. Um, Inadvertent advertising. I would, here's what I would like to believe, Brian. You tell me. When it was originally written by whomever wrote this episode, I believe it was Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg wrote this one. Uh, there were three credited writers and they were two of them. I don't know who the third one was off the top of my head. And the phrase all access pass just worked. And then at some point, somebody had to say, guys, <laughs> Gretchen, Aaron, what's going on? And they're just like, roll with it. You know, <laughs> it's good. It's good for branding. I, I liked uh, there was another like a little nod. Uh, Harry Mudd said uh, uh, when he was talking about, um, you know, the, the the war in general and, and how the, the, the Federation is responsible uh, he said, uh, "Where no man has gone before." Right. Yeah. Well, that was that was in universe. That that's a yeah. great point, actually, because yeah. the phrase "where no man has gone before," as we later learned from uh, Enterprise, was spoken by uh, Zephram Cochran in uh, the pilot of that episode of that show. And bringing up Enterprise is a great point. We talked a little bit about fan service, yes, in Discovery, and it's been significant, but it's been light. I think some of the more uh, significant moments of uh, fan services, you know, Stamets at one point mentioned the prize that he wanted to win, and it was the, the fans are going to yell at me, the blah, blah, blah prize, and it was a prize that, from the Daystrom Institute, you know, if you, if you Google it, it'd be like, yes, it was mentioned in the, uh, 
in in TOS at one point. And then there's the Gorn, which we went all, all in on. There was yes. the Gorn skeleton, which we talked about at great length at the end of episode three, and uh, some other. And then also, I think the Tardigrade is is not really a reference, but it just feels like uh, harmonizing with canon the Horta, the silicon based kind of round rubbery creature that uh, is at first you think is malicious and then you later learn turns out to be kind or at least just frightened as we discover in this episode, episode five, it really digs into that. And that just sort of reminds me of TOS uh, Devil in the Dark. And there were some other things, but I think this episode has the most like freeze frame, <laughs> take you know, take a, take a, a, a snapshot, make it your desktop on your computer, like the most you know fan service just like just for big big insert squee here as they say <laughs> and that's when saru and every scene with saru is just awesome yes the shots of saru at the end when our new friend anthony rap is in the chamber and saru's like got his head right in the camera at a weird angle yeah i was just like look at saru Saru rules. Yeah, he had a lot to do in this episode, and he was uh, in a very interesting position, and he reacted in ways that I did not expect him yeah. to react. You're talking interesting position in terms of his character arc. I'm yes. just talking about the way he looked in the oh, frame. Oh, yes. I'm yeah. just talking about the the, the, the the image of his giant yeah. head, yes. just, like, just like a bird <laughs> or something. All right, so I'm talking around it. There's the moment when Saru is in command. Lorca's gone. He's been kidnapped by those dastardly Klingons. And Saru's got to figure out what to do, and he's unsure of himself. Why? Be few reasons. Number one, he uh, he's never commanded before, and two, he's whenever Burnham's around, he's he's got PTSD about Michael Burnham. He does every time we see uh, he he sees her. Um, threat ganglia. Threat ganglia pop right. up before he sees her. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yes. is that they know he, she's there. So he, she he's he's uh, he's flipped out about her, and as we later learn, he and I think unfairly blames her for not leaving the Shenzhou early enough because he wanted some of that Giorgio time. He's like, he's like, dad was always playing ball with you and he should have been playing ball with me. There was a little bit of that like sibling squabbling there. Yes. No, I actually, I actually enjoyed that. Aspect oh, it's great. It. It's yeah. really interesting. Um, I, I don't know if it's unfair. I mean, uh, they clearly wanted her. I mean, George was one of our first lines is, I think you should have your own command. Yes. So, I mean, uh, and, you know, I think possibly Saru was like, hey, this is my time to shine now. Right, and, right. And she screwed it up. Yeah. She screwed up because she was, she was unsure of herself. Although we can certainly debate till the cows come home whether or not she was ready for her own command. So, anyway, Saru's in his Lorca's ready room, um, which is weird. I feel like if the captain is is kidnapped, you don't get to go to his ready room. Yeah, like you, you it's, a little strange. it's still not his room. You, you know? can't eat his fortune cookies. No, no. So he's questioning the computer, and he says, "Computer, give me, you know, I want to, I want to psychoanalyze myself, my actions against the greats. Give me the greats. Let me see who the great captains of Starfleet are." And the computer says, <laughs> spits out a shot. It says. Captain April, Captain Archer, Georgiou, Deckard, and Pike. Yes. And and as it's going one by one, I may have gotten the order wrong, but as it's going one by one, I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then part of me is like, where's Kirk? And I'm like, I know Kirk isn't in there yet, but like I still sort of, once I saw Pike, I'm just like, Alan, show me Kirk. And it's like, <laughs> no, that makes no sense. It's not mm. Kirk. 
But it's awesome because it's a deep cut. First of all, April, I'm going to tell you if you don't know. I did not know this going Yeah, April before. is from deep, deep, deep lore. <laughs> uh, he was, when Roddenberry was originally writing the Bible of Trek, you know, his first notes, the name of the captain was Robert April. And then he changed it. Changed to Christopher Pike, and then they did the pilot, and then that was the pilot that didn't work, and then they changed it to James T. Kirk. So before there was Kirk, there was Pike, and before there was Pike, was April. And April was just sort of a note, and some it had gotten out in like early fandom when some of the first Star Trek books uh, were written, and then um, April did show up in the animated series, which whether or not that is true canon or not remains to be argued. Uh, Roddenberry, uh, who the hell, um, some say yes, some say no. Roddenberry <laughs> says no. The Okudas say no. I say yes. So uh, April was in there. And then later in some of the books, the deep novels, there was an IDW comic where uh, you got to you know run around uh, with April as a captain. So you know that, that was in there. Mm. So that was a firm, firm, big, wet kiss <laughs> to fandom to have Robert April there. Pike, we know. Obviously, Jonathan Archer, we know. Yes. From Enterprise. Uh, Filippo, we just, uh, Filippo Giorgio, we just met her um, and said goodbye to her. And um, Deckard, uh, Deckard, not Deckard from, uh, from uh, Blade <laughs> Runner, was uh, from the Doomsday Machine. Yes. At TOS. And then uh, in the motion picture, there's a different Decker, and it's always been assumed that they are, in fact, father and son. I didn't even um, think about that. Yeah, yeah, it was the guy, the, the actor um, who was a child molester. What's this? <laughs> the guy from Seventh Heaven. What is his name? Oh, yes. 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 It's news. It's real. We don't censor it, but yes. we don't talk about it. So um, anyway, so that guy, uh, nevertheless, uh, that was just a wonderful moment and a pretty good example of how the Discovery nerd core, like we know there are a few deep cut, serious Trek uh, lovers in the writing room, uh, Kirsten Beyer, our friend, uh, leading the charge, who is probably trying to figure out a way to squeeze in something like this every, every act break. Uh, and then they, you know, and then and then they pull it back and say, no, 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 you got to do it sparingly. And this is a pretty good example of doing it where it propels the story. Saru needs to do this thing about himself. And it's leading to, and you're also thinking, like, why is Saru doing this? It's leading to the confrontation that he's going to have with Burnham at the end, which is like, you stole, you you know, you, you, you stole this time. from. And then I think at the end, Burnham and Saru have a bit of an understanding at the end. Yes, I agree. They've they've kind of come to... Uh, Eventually, they're going to love each other. You know, I think it's I think it's going to be it's going to be accurate. So that was one groovy thing that I really dug um, about this. Another thing is that the show opened on a fan who I don't remember his name. He, he wrote about it to us on the Facebook page, um, pointed out. And I don't think we've mentioned it on the show um, is the use of sound effects because some of the sound, the use of sound effects <laughs> You know, some of the sound effects on Discovery, I don't think they're exact duplicates of TOS sound effects, but they are uh, absolutely inspired by it. The, there was one I, I heard that, that sounded very authentic. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just like the, the, the ping. Boop, you know, just the ping. And there's yeah. a few others in there. Oh, the, the um, this. That's in there somewhere. Yes. 
But that, that's no. It, I think it was somewhere with the ping. There was. Uh, There's. A, I wrote it down in my notes, but I forgot my notes. Yeah, at home. we know you forgot your notes at home. But there, there was a sonic, the son, the, the sort of the the ping. But then there also is. It's the dream sequence. I think that Burnham has at the beginning, when Maybe. she is. Oh no no no! It's it's not that. It's when they beam the tardigrade into the chamber, kind of midway through, when they do the first jump, and they do have the the um tele. Uh, transporter sound effect okay but it's a little different but it's definitely there and then there are new sound effects in there and sound definitely you know just as much as the visuals really does impact your your uh you know the show and uh i don't think you know the reason why i didn't bring it up yet is because that was something that happened in 2009 with the first jj abrams film um it was that ping again which i don't think we have on our soundboard here yeah. but that first ping when Star Trek 2009 started, the very first time, did I ever tell you the story about how I saw the first Star Trek? No, I don't think so. How I got it in. <sighs> Listeners, do you want to keep respecting the show or do you want to find this? Your, I mean, it was such a story and I wound <laughs> up. <sighs> I almost urinated on myself. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell it the right way. I got to tell it the right way. Okay. It was a different time in 2009. It was a different world. It really was. Um, and there was such a lid. J.J. Abrams and his mystery box, right? You know yes. about his famous mystery box? He was in... 2009 was the height of his insanity. In, his, his method. Let's yes. call it that, his method. I, have, I love Mr. Abrams. He's been, I have met him and he's a wonderful man. Um, it was nuts in 2009. about Who would be allowed to see the film when, at what time... Spoilers, uh, you know, there it was just the lid was so tight, and I was working at the time for UGO.com, which was part of Hearst, and I was on the Star Trek beat. This is kind of part of what made me the man I am today. I, I, I was <laughs> working for them, and then I eventually started to work for Star Trek.com and doing the conventions and, and doing this show. And I was like, of all the people in the so called geek media, I was like, you guys have your everybody's got their thing. There's a guy who's got Star Wars, you know, the Marvel, DC, Batman, Avengers, whatever the hell it is. Pokemon. I know you love the Transformers. Spider-Man. Whatever it is. I'm like, Trek is mine. All you other dorks get out of the way. Like, I am the king of Star Trek. And, I'm and it was a joke, but it was a little bit serious, you know? <laughs> and there was certain, like, our friend Scott Kalura, who was on the show yes. earlier. I, that, I met him during those years, and he worked at IGN. I worked at UGO. And he also was the king of Star Trek. So the two of us. And we used <laughs> to do Battle Royale to see who knew more. And, and frankly, the, the jury's still out. But anyway. <laughs> and he has a wonderful podcast called Transporter Room 3, which you should listen to. So anyway, it's 2009. And I'm dying to see the friggin' Trek. And it had only shown once at a, a screening at the Alamo Draft House in Austin. It was a special thing where, and this was before mobile phones with YouTube and whatnot. Oh, shit. I just dropped my phone. This is about, <laughs> I went to show Brian the phone. Like, he didn't know what a mobile phone looked like. Well, so I a, picked a it up. Like, this thing right here. So, uh, what happened was Leonard Nimoy, may he rest in peace, he went to the Alamo Draft House in Austin, and there was going to be a presentation of Wrath of Khan and as a joke they were going to and then also part of the fun was they were going to show a few minutes of the new movie okay, okay? which and that, that those few mo mi minutes had 
um, toured. I'd seen that presentation with JJ and the producers and whatnot, not with Leonard Nimoy. It came to New York and it came to LA and, and London. Uh, and then some time passes and they're going to do it in Austin plus a screening of Wrath of Khan. So Leonard, uh, so first things up is they're going to show Wrath of Khan. So they start showing Wrath of Khan and 10 minutes in, the film quote unquote breaks. It okay. snaps, the, the, the thing dilutes, uh, the, the lights come on and they, the, the guy from the Alamo Draft House comes out and he's like, we're really, really sorry. Um, uh, you know, we're going to fix it in a minute, but in the minute we have Mr. Leonard Nimoy, he goes, oh, hello fans, hello, I'm Leonard Nimoy. And he's like, listen, we're so sorry we had a technical difficulty. So how about instead of showing just a few minutes from the new movie, we show you the whole of the new movie. And everybody went, ah, and the place <laughs> went nuts and the internet exploded for the day. Um, but this was, and nobody had pictures or anything. They, maybe they took the phone, the camera phone, probably, at the door yeah. or whatever. I'm, I'm sure that was planned. So <laughs> I'm flipping the hell out because I wasn't <laughs> able to go. I, I uh, have since mellowed about being first. You know, I've since calmed down, but back in 2009, specifically for Star Trek, like I was like, if I'm not first, I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I was in a weird place at that point in my life, Brian. And like I had spent, as many of our listeners had, I'm sure, I, I kind of like I had a few sleepless nights about this 2009 movie before when it was in development. You know, you got to remember, there were rumors that it was going to be Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon as Kirk and Spock. Oh, that wasn't weird. Do you remember that rumor? There was. I actually don't remember. I think yeah, I've heard that. It was that. a dumb rumor, but there was the rumor that it was going to be Damon was going to be Kirk and Affleck was going to be Spock, and oh. it came from nowhere. But you know, Damon, I think probably could have pulled it off. But I don't know about Affleck. But anyway, so back then, so I, like I still don't like Ben Affleck as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so, I'll, I'll say that for some other time. I mean, it's I, I have I have no opinion of him as Batman. So uh, the um, uh, at the time, uh, like they were, like I was really worried that they were going to ruin Kirk and Spock. Like I mean, Enterprise I grew to love, and at first Enterprise was a little bit wobbly, but I never thought, oh, this is the death of Star Trek. But it was like I would say they're going to ruin Kirk and Spock with this new movie. What the hell's going on? And then they announce. Zach Quinto, I'm like, all right, guy from Heroes, looks like Spock, pretty cool. Chris Pine, never heard of the guy. Yeah, never heard of him by So then. I immediately went out and rented a bunch of Chris Pine movies, which were The Princess Diaries 2. <laughs> I watched The Princess I, Diaries 2. I didn't go that deep. No, and I'm like, oh, he's a handsome guy. And he did some indie films that were like bad indie films, like not good indie films that eventually win awards. Yeah, like, I remember seeing some kind of like horror movie he was in that well, was around he, that time. He did, um, he was in a movie where he played a priest. And no, it was okay. I didn't see that. It was okay. I think it had one word title. And then he had a small part in Smoke and Aces with Joe Carnahan's movie, which was okay. Uh, okay, yeah, I remember that. And, but he didn't really, he was wacky in that. He played like a skinhead. And I'm like, oh, here's this crazy guy. But like, this is Captain Kirk? I don't know. So the point is, I was a little nuts in 2009. So I wasn't able to go in Austin. Now, here's the point I'm getting to. So I called the, the rep, a woman by the name of Tamar, who I'm sure is not listening. She was at the time, she still is a big deal at Paramount, and she was like on this movie. And so I was therefore on her ass constantly. I was a big thorn in her side and um, calling her night and day. And when I found out that she was in Austin with Leonard Nimoy and the Prince of the Film, I'm like, they're probably at the airport right now. I started calling her cell phone and like her and, she, and like went to voice. I'm like, pick up the phone. Let me talk to Spock. Let me talk to Spock. <laughs> <laughs> totally unprofessional behavior. <laughs> All right, cut to a little bit later, and it's an average day, and I have plans for the evening. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, or whatever, and uh, I get a phone call. It's Tamar. 
She's like, you want to see Star Trek? I'm like, ha ha, very funny. She's like, if you can get your ass down to a theater on 34th Street in Manhattan, like in an hour, you could see it. So like, you know, cut to, you know, you know, I had a date with my, what? yes, we were married with my wife or something. Everything had to get canceled. And so I get down there and um, it's one of those things where they're checking the phones. The point is like I got there by the skin of my teeth and then I invited a friend of mine who is now actually a, 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 a guy in the sci-fi world. He does stuff with uh, Star Wars and things. Um, oh, wow. And he, uh, I invited him like if you meet me there, you could be there. And then he was late. Oh. Like, I, like he was like, he wasn't late. It was like, you got to be there at five and he was there at 4.54, you know? Okay, okay. And he was running and I was like furious with him. And then we get upstairs, and if you've ever been to the theater at 34th Street and 8th Avenue in Manhattan, it's a, it's a big Lowe's theater, and it's designed by a complete nincompoop. It was, it was a, a, one of these, I don't know, a pack-led must have designed this friggin' theater, because the big theaters, you go up a flight of, you go up a, you, you go in, you go up a flight of stairs, and then you go, there's where all the theaters are. Yeah. But the bathrooms are a further flight up. <laughs> so I, we get in, it's 4.54, and friggin' FJ just shows up, I'm like, FJ, you pain in the ass you, you're late we get in and we sit down I'm like i gotta take a whiz i gotta take a whiz <laughs> and so i'm like what do i do i'm like i can't it's upstairs the movie's gonna start any minute I'm like i can't cross my legs the whole time i watched star trek 2009 i've been writing about this movie for a year and a half on ugo <laughs> i've been thinking about it my whole life i run upstairs go to the bathroom and like i'm in such a hurry to finish the act of urination which is the thing we all do that like i how do I say this delicately? I just like, I just like finished before I was finished. Does that make any sense? Yes, I understand. I just like, I'm done. And like, I started walking away from the urinal and I like, I just kind of made a mess on my pants. It's so disgusting. <laughs> I've never told this story in public before. This is so revolting. I can't believe I'm telling you this, but the, the stakes were high. Yes, of course. The stakes were high. I was so embarrassed. And then I run back downstairs and then I get back in the seat and I sit down and I make it like just in time i get there after he's like you all good do you wash your hands and then <laughs> then he offered me a pretzel i'm like i don't want a pretzel <laughs> and then um paramount logo starts okay so like i'm got adrenaline flying out of my pores i'm sweating because i've been running around upstairs i am not a slender individual <laughs> i get down into the seat and like then it hits me it's like i'm gonna watch this freaking star trek movie paramount logo Bad robot logo, and then like if you remember the music, boom, and then it goes to space, and then the next thing you hear is that ping, that sonar ping. Oh, that's why. That's how we got started on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we got started on this. There's a reason to this story. And you're hearing it as you fly through space. And yes, there's lens flare, and later we joked about J.J. Abrams' lens flare, but. You heard that the first interaction you had with the movie proper after the logos. Logos, score, sound traveling faster than light in this case. And when I heard that ping, I said, I think this movie is going to be okay. Because I knew that they at least respected the minutia of the little sonar ping. And and my blood pressure went way, way, way down. And then... (laughs) By the time Spock spoke to Spock Prime at the end of Star Trek 2009, a mess. Just tears, snots rolling down my face. (laughs) 
So between that on the top and what was going on in the bottom, I was just a, a, a lubed up mess. <laughs> it was just a big deal. So that with sounds that, like quite an ordeal. <laughs> yeah, it was something. It was a hell of a night, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, um, so I bring that up because, um, yeah, the new episode of Discovery <laughs> brings that back to me a little bit. Now, the other two big things, uh, like we talked about with Anthony Rapp, uh, were uh, the tardigrade and Rap giving himself tardigrade DNA and then doing his own nipple clamps to become. Yes. So here's the thing. And, um, uh, you know, I guess, well, you know, when I was thinking about it and we may we're going to talk to Anthony Rap after this. So I don't know if we're going to get to this or not. But so by the time you hear this part of the show, you'll know what Anthony <laughs> Rap said if we said it. Because we're talking to him in like 20 minutes. But um, he becomes like Dr. Manhattan. Yes, there was the the last shot was very interesting. So I I um I texted you and I said did I say Doctor Manhattan in the yeah, text? Yes, you did. Oh, and okay. then I responded with uh, uh, I said we're literally looking at a second Stamets through a mirror, and I was thinking mirror universe. That would be the most. Um, I I don't know how that well it makes sense like tracks but uh, but that was how i took it it would be the most literal example of the mirror universe yes ever. yes it was very literal of it but yeah. I, I, it, I just felt it that yeah and i think that would be mirror universe counterparts have not in my recollection appeared side by side before i don't think that's ever happened they usually go but we've never of, had a drive with spores, spores and, yeah. and yeah. fungus DNA. Yeah. And- well, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, there was another um, there was another uh, theory that was flying around. I saw it on Inverse.com that Lorca is from the Mirror Universe. Oh. And that explains why he's a little bit not so Starfleety. Um, which I don't buy, but it's a fun idea. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I would, we learned a lot about Lorca this yeah, episode. Yeah, we got to get to the whole Klingon stuff. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, uh, But what I think is going to happen is Stamets got the DNA. He's now one with the spores. Yes. He can travel via mycelium conduits through yes. space time. And he is going to grow into a Dr. Manhattan. And Dr. Manhattan, if I doubt anybody listening doesn't know who Dr. Manhattan is, from Watchmen, he was a regular guy. He got stuck in some kind of chamber. And he became an ubermensch, a super being who exists outside of space-time. He can yes. teleport himself. And he also can have copies of himself. Yes. Most famously in that he can make love to his wife but also work on science projects at the same time. Yes. In a very interesting yes way. <laughs> um, to, to great surprise to his wife right. as well <laughs> so but also um uh and he can train you know so his he literally can do anything he can do anything I dr mean, manhattan is all powerful it, it was like taking superman to a a literal yeah. omnipotent level yeah yeah so i don't know if it's going that way and then the other thing that it kind of mirrors is i mean superpowers on original series think about where no man has gone before they cross the galactic barrier, and Gary Mitchell is, you know, Shazam. He's given his what are ostensibly godlike powers, um, you know, because of his sensitivity to ESP, and he becomes sort of like a Dr. Manhattan. He doesn't travel through space time, but he's super strength, and he has ESP, and he can move things with his mind and whatnot. So I think there's the potential that. Starting now, Stamets is going to become an all-powerful being and a bad guy, because now that the tardigrade is off the ship, they need a new bad guy on the, a new a new threat. 
And I hope that's not the case because I like Stamets. I don't want him to be the bad guy. No, and and I I think his um his character came a long way in this episode as well. I mean, he was always kind of a little um a little hard on Burnham, and yeah. but but he clearly is listening to her opinions and you know taking them into account. Yeah, no, he he st- he stopped being a heel in this one. Yes, uh, absolutely. He, he is it's a much better way of putting it yeah. than I did. <laughs> Stop being a heel. He went from heel to face. Yes. And uh, listened to Burnham and also to his man, uh, Dr. Uh, Culber. And uh, we'll get to that also, the scene, you know, back at their home when they're brushing their teeth, which is yes. very nice. Um, he he is now, he realizes that the, uh, unlike Saru, well, see, Saru is a little bit more, he's so unsure of himself as being a captain that he's like, I got to do what Lorca would do. The ends justify the means. If I have to squeeze this tardigrade to death to save Lorca, I'm going to do it. That is exactly what I thought. Because to me, I never would have expected Saru to act like that. But being that he was, they they presented you that he was very uh, unsure of his actions yeah. then, and he was recording it. And then he wanted to do differently than he normally thinks he would. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I felt for him. Look, I mean, I get it. It's. I, I, listen, if 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 I was second in command on a ship and I had to kill a puppy to save, you know, would you do it? I mean, I love puppies, but you know, you got to save everybody on. The, you got to get your captain back. What do you do? It's, it's a hard choice. It's hard. Right. It's easy to commit. That's why we like watching. That's why we like watching. And that, and and uh, you know, and the tardigrade isn't even cute like a puppy. It's slimy and it gets killed people. Also, yeah, it killed people. Know. and It's a little, little gross looking. Yeah. So it's tough. It's tough business. But um, Culber was like, "No, I can't do it. I've got the Hippocratic oath. I've got do no harm." And then he's like, "Stamets, you do it." And he's like, "I got this covered. I'm going to zing myself with the tardigrade spores or whatever the DNA." <laughs> whatever nonsense it yeah, is. The, I, I felt that was when they threw that in there. Uh, they said, like, oh, we don't have an answer for this. And Burnham's like, well, we came up with this. But yeah. you just said you didn't have an answer. But Right. Um, they needed a volunteer. They needed a volunteer. So it was cool. I didn't specifically see it coming. I, I thought it was going to be Burnham doing it. Well, because the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't see it coming. And then I thought he was dead. And I was nervous. See, the show has already now gotten me ready for cool people to die like yes, that. Yes. I kind of know I knew that Philippa was going to, Philippa Giorgio was going to die. Yes. Uh, just because I had a sense from the marketing and when special guest star Michelle Yao was like, alright, she's gone. And also they mentioned two different captains. Right. Yeah, point, so as soon as, so. I didn't think it was that she was flying off to, no, to go take a holiday or something. So when, when, when Giorgio died, I wasn't surprised, although it was certainly in a surprising way. Um, but when, um, What's her name? Uh, the security chief, Landry, Landry. died. Finally remembered her name, Landry. <laughs> when Landry died, I was surprised, you know? Yeah. So then I'm like, Stamets is, look, I'm like, holy shit, is he dead? I really don't know. And I was really like at the, literally the edge of my seat. I was as well. Yeah. But he's back and he's with his man. And, um, but then he leaves the, the bathroom and he's still there. And that was a whoa. Kind of like a creepy little smile there. Yeah. It was also little Twin Peaks, evil Bob. In the in the mirror. I, I have not uh, I have not seen well much of Twin Peaks. That scene scene in the window was in the mirror was okay. Very, very Twin Peaks. It was very Twin Peaks. It was um, evil doppelgangers. Uh, Dale Cooper, you know, um, 
the guy, the main guy from yeah. Twin Peaks. What the hell's his name? Kyle MacLachlan. Kyle MacLachlan. There, you know, that was the first reveal that the evil doppelganger was in and was through a mirror like that. Okay. So. Also goes back to uh, Groucho and Harpo Marx and Duck Soup. <laughs> Bring that up with uh, with Rap when we talk to him. He'll like that, <laughs> I, I bet. Um, yeah, so it was good stuff. Now, the other notes I took... Um, oh, the Klingon um, captain on the other ship. Yes. She, she got a Scottish accent. Did she? Kinda. First of all, she was another light-skinned, maybe albino Klingon. Yes. So it's not like Vok is a is a one of a no, kind. No, no. Yeah. Um, but she had, uh, yeah, she had a weird accent, and I'm watching. I'm going, what's going on with this? Uh, I don't think we ever got her name. No, I didn't think so. I was actually for for a brief moment questioning if that was Laurel or not. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's part of why they gave her an accent. Yeah, for a minute, maybe because they are, and it didn't really look like her. But it was like it's kind of hard to tell because they have so much makeup. But um, yeah, at first I'm like, is this Laurel? Why would? But then they're like, no, because she's been on this ship for seven months, so it can't be her. But she was a sexually abusive captain who was a sense was basically using. Our new friend, um, played by uh, Ash Tyler, Shazad Latif's character. Uh, and is it is it possible that that's Dennis? D e n n a s. The the Klingon. The Klingon. I don't know. I don't think they said her name. They just said the captain of this ship, uh, and then he said a she, and then it. Well, was this is not from this episode, but is that? Oh, uh, Brian is doing some sleuthing. And he's looking at, well, we'll, by the time this episode is launched, this will be discussed on Matt Mira's excellent uh, show, After Trek, I'm sure. But uh, the Klingon captain uh, gets one of the craziest deaths in all of Star Trek. Yes. When everybody else gets just phasered out of existence, but the phaser blast... Wait, wait, wait. Is she dead? That's a good point. I, I, I didn't take not. it as that. I, I took it that as like she's a severe wounded. wounding. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It may not have been a death. She's just she'll, by the time they get out of there, she's still screaming. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ricochet like it hits her in the head and her head is glowing. And uh, gross. Well, I mean, if you want to look at look up this character on IMDb, mm-hmm. this character is, it will appear again. <laughs> okay, this character's appearing. It's it's Dennis. Dennis. De- 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 Dennis, yeah. Captain De- Dennis. Yes. It's like Captain Ron. Captain Dennis. <laughs> Captain Dennis will be back on Star Trek Discovery. Um, but then Lorca and New Dude zip away on these crazy ships. Yeah, that was, those those like was very ships. interesting. The freight, what were they called? The, um, they called them um, Raiders. Klingon Raiders. Klingon Raiders, yeah. And I've never seen ships like that anywhere in Star Trek. There will be some Star Trek fans who don't like it because it doesn't look... Klingon ships have always had a natural element in the, the bird of prey. You know, they, they always had like a, you know, uh, you know the, war, well, the Romulan warbird, but the bird of prey... Uh, but these look like insects. Yes, kind, uh, right? they don't. They don't look like they, they look like they were even potentially some like organic parts to yeah, it in a way, yeah. which is very strange and not something I expected. No, no, not at all. Um, expect some fan outrage just because anything different will upset the fans. But I was, I mean, I was like, whoa, they look like something out of. I don't even what I couldn't even think of it. 
like like Battle for Terra, a movie nobody saw. They reminded me of that. You see Battle for Terra? Battle for Terra? Is that the one with John Travolta? That, no, it's Battleship that's, Earth. That's Battleship Earth. <laughs> you should see that first, you man animal. <laughs> uh, Battleship Earth is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tried to watch that again, kind of recently. I had some friends over and we had a bunch of drinks and it was just unwatchable. Oh God, it's so bad. But um, yeah, it had a really cool look and I immediately was taken by it, but I, I dug it. I thought it was really cool. And then Lorca's like, you know, and then the way, the way they saved Lorca was just awesome. I thought it was really cool. So that was something else I really dug. Um, the other thing I really, a small thing was when um, Lorca, before he gets kidnapped by the Klingons, he's at some sort of meeting, big high power meeting, and he and his admiral are kind of zinging back and forth, and there's a there's a Vulcan there. Yes, I did yeah, see that. The Vulcan was really cool. I didn't, he didn't say anything, but he was just cool. He's kind of nodded. Yeah, as <laughs> as they do. So what did you think of the whole um, Harry Mudd um, prison stuff? Uh, well, I, th- I thought Rain Wilson was great. I think he did a great uh, version of... Harry, I I, I kind of heard the the voice a little bit, but although it's not a as little, it's a, it's a lot darker than the yeah, TOS version. The it, it T- is TOS it, version is much sillier. Yes, it's not it's not as silly, but I, I I hear the roots in there, and I can understand the choice to make it more like that. Yeah, but he's definitely a cowardly rogue. Oh, absolutely, a, a little bit charming, but not as charming as as the original version. Yeah, uh, but and also like he's ready to sell these guys out. He's a real, <laughs> he's a jerk. You know, he's a he genuine jerk. jerk. But I, I, I just, I, I guess I just like Ray Wilson. So I yeah. mean, uh... no, no, I, I like him too. And it, and it also was great because like yet again, a, a Harry Mudd episode ends with like them just abandoning him yes it's like leave him where he is and, and let him figure it out and, I, and as as i i said like i knew we would see more i felt like we would see more of him from, yeah from like you know seeing the the previews of uh of, of the the previous episode like I, I i got the feeling we he wouldn't be just a one-off kind of guest. yeah no maybe he'll be coming back and so what's the deal he's got that little rat spider rat scorpion friend was yes. it like a bug or uh, was it a rodent it, it looked like some kind of bug. Uh, mm. How he befriended it and got it to be his little pet, I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, it was good. I mean, it was kind of classic, like, meet a scoundrel in prison sequence. Um, you know, the, the, the choose your pain stuff and then they kill the other guy. I, I did think it was interesting because, you know, a, a lot of people in their heads are doing compare and contrast of this show with previous Star Trek, which is totally natural. Um, when the other guy got stomped, uh, the first guy, yeah, not, the, the one who's got his neck broken eventually, <laughs> yeah, I feel like you know would what what would have Kirk Picard Cisco Janeway Archer have done? Like, would they have just stood there and watched that the way Lorca did? And I don't know. Like, I feel like feel like Kirk wouldn't have done that. I feel like Cisco wouldn't have well, either. There, you know? there were three three armed Klingons walking in a room. Um, I don't I know. Mean, I, he, I, he was just thrown in there as I, well. Listen, hey, what would I have done? Yeah. I would have been uh, cowering in the corner. But I'm saying I feel like uh, that is a different type of thing. Lorca is a different type of captain. Yes. You know, he is not – he is more calculated with his uh, – makes you know is when he takes a risk it's a more calculated risk and he just had to size up the room first before he made a stand and yeah, then he eventually was, he kicked their yeah, asses yeah the, yes the, the, they did with the help of um the other guy yes uh lieutenant tyler yeah yeah who, who is who okay now i mean we've established that that you know 
uh, Harry Mudd is a con man kind of a guy yeah. and all that, but I'm not so sure. I, I'm all I'm all in on you Tyler here. You don't I mean, trust Tyler. Well, I mean, Lorca even says it. He's like, "Oh, you've been here seven months." Right. And uh, he's like, oh, I have. And, well, and he's been that. He's been Denise's uh, concubine. Oh, maybe. Maybe I. Oh, that. Did you I not catch it, that? Maybe I didn't catch. Pick All up right, on you that. know what? My wife didn't catch that either. Okay. So don't feel too bad. No, I, I heard that, but I, I I wasn't sure if that's what that meant exactly. Yeah, they okay. did. A, they did the flip. They kind of flipped the gender switch of the of the concubine thing. He was fair a kept, enough. He okay. Was a so kept that's man. That's how he did that. And then. Denise okay. was was uh, was was keeping him for his sexual pleasures. So okay. He was very okay. Okay. Fair enough. Maybe he's, uh, but, he's okay. Or but I also like what you're saying, and this is kind of what Discovery is doing. Does it's making us not trust things yes and what you're g- getting at is that you think that maybe this guy is a double agent because yeah, he got there a little too easily right yes it got there too easily and it, they got out a little too conveniently as only two men like oh they said it's a two-man job but still they, they said there were 30 to 40 armed klingons right in they only killed a few um now well, i don't know that because they, they almost killed if the captain almost died yes so if it was a plant i can understand letting a few pawns die but putting the captain in harm's way like that well i mean he had no control over that part she would have never come off the bridge if the idea was to get a klingon double agent onto the discovery Uh, you're you're right you're right unless it goes higher and they don't care about this captain either maybe i mean there are a couple things that don't make sense in this show there's another thing that some that somebody on the internet pointed out to me which i don't have an answer for and when we when we eventually get one of the writers on the show we'll ask them why um they were able to get Captain Giorgio's telescope off the Shenzhou, <laughs> but they left the warp uh, dilithium on there for uh, well, that for Vok to that's get. The, that the, it was a dilithium converter. Yeah. So it wasn't actually like, yeah, but that's the a pretty. Fuel, I suppose that's a pretty. You could well, sell that on eBay yeah, for no, a lot of money. I, I thought that was a little strange too. That, <laughs> I mean, the uh, the telescope was clearly on in her ready room. Yes, and they left the entire ship there. But they some, uh, I mean, uh, you would you would actually think that maybe someone like Saru grabbed it as he ran out, as as they were evacuating. If it was Saru, he Saru would have never but, let but Burnham it, get it. Yeah, so that, somebody else got somebody, it. Somebody, but who? Like and why? Could have been the redhead, the redhead with the face, maybe, the face maybe. stuff, whatever her name is, uh, Kayla. 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 We got the names of the other characters. Yes, um, uh, I didn't write them down. Uh, the uh, the uh, I, I caught the robot lady was uh, Arium, and she talks like this. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> she's great, Arium. And there's the, and the handsome guy and the African American woman. They mentioned her name. And yes, I, they, I, they, I, they haven't said his name, but they mentioned her name, and I had that in my notes. Yeah, and, and I notes. didn't write it down either. And that's not in, unfortunately, not on IMDb right now. No, no, we're ahead of the curve here, so. Um, well, anywho, so that's what's going on. So predictions for next, is there anything else that we wanted to mention oh, here? Um, I, I didn't, I didn't get to see a preview of next week now, so. No, so, um. So I have no idea what's coming now. We know we have the all access pass though. What does this say? The clock <laughs> era, era, I have notes that I can't read. Oh, you know, the other thing is this. <clears throat> this is a question. I'll ask Anthony Rapp this. Let him wrap his head about this. Um, all right, they get to Burnham. They get, excuse me, they get to Lorca. They get him off the crazy ship. They get him back. They need the tardigrade to jump away again. Yes. Moral dilemma. Do you kill the tardigrade who is now a, he's now a dehydrated shell 
uh, Stamets figures out he can do it himself. Two questions. Why not just do a small jump, which is something they were able to do with the spores that already existed? I, I think the I, I think they were fairly deep into Klingon territory where it wasn't enough. It okay. wasn't wasn't going to be enough. And go um, and go into regular warp wasn't enough either. No, but well, they they said they said there was no way they would escape otherwise. So right, regular warp because the Klingons have warp also. Yeah. Okay, so they had a jump, and a small jump wouldn't have been enough. What about a series of small jumps? <laughs> Well, that's a good question, but I mean, <coughs> that was never explained. It's not is Saru's the, call. Yeah. Maybe the small jumps really are very small. They're just like 20 feet. Yeah, All right. it's possible. All right, I'll take that answer. So next week, what's going to happen? The tardigrade is back, is is got, gotten rid of. Oh, I, I actually... Lork th- is going to be pissed. <laughs> he is going to be pissed, yeah. yeah. The um, I, I, I just kind of laughed a little at the... The tardigrade kind of like reforming and then like flying away like Superman or something yeah, like. Great. I feel like I'm that free. that image I've seen in some movie somewhere else where a giant bug. Well, not even a giant bug. Like some you know hero just comes out and he just flies into the the, the galaxy or something. Yeah, you know, it just looked something it, out of a superhero movie. It's so but great. A, a it's, super bug. It's so Star Trek also because it's like there's this big crazy thing floating around in yeah. space. It's like it's like the Doomsday Machine is floating around. It's like and Tin actually, Man. I mean, Tin I, Man how is around. how is Lorca going to feel about that? That the Klingons can now get him. Well, I mean, that the, the, they don't have it anymore. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's oh, going to be really yes. pissed. He's going to be really... He is going to be really pissed. But I think it's like that or it died. Like, I think that was the only way to kill it. Yeah. I think he would have said, fine, let it die, and then do a, a post-mortem. I think episode six is going to begin with him being... Angry. Angry. Thanks for saving me and all. And here's our new best friend... Captain Tyler or Commander Tyler or Lieutenant Tyler. I guess he's he's New Landry, by the way. New Landry. <laughs> um, but you know, ten demerits for killing killing the bug. So I mean, maybe maybe the next episode or a subsequent episode will be about you know what is the replacement for the tardigrade? Oh, they're going to find him in like season six. He's just going to be like, "Hello, welcome to my home. I've <laughs> I've built a family here. This is my whole spore gang." So, uh, I don't know. That's the big question. Um, and who has the upper hand in the Klingon war now? Because it is Stamets a, vol- a volatile thing? Or is he a reliable source for spore energy? And what's going on with our buddy Vok? And he's on the moons of Meepthorpe or wherever he is with, um, with uh, Lorel, right? Remember no, the- no, she left. No, she took him. To? No, no, she went back to the ship. She said that uh, um, I'm going to take you to the to the, the no, matrons. No, no, they they left a ship. She left a ship for him, and she transported back to uh, with uh, Cole. He she said that he was only uh, th- th- I can only stay for so long before they right, realize right, right. I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but she sent him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so but they she, didn't go together. Yeah, yeah, they did not go together. But no. she's sending him to to the, the Maklai. Yes, I don't remember the word either. <laughs> the matrons of Mok- Mokai. Yes, uh, the yes. matrons of Mokai. Uh, so I want to see what that's all about. I want to meet the matrons. Yes. I want to have like a, they have like a, they sit in a circle and there's like a big uh, boiling pot. <laughs> what do they do? Are they on a mountain? Do you think? I hope they show it. I, I don't hope know. It's not but, on a ship. But they gotta, they gotta, sac- he's gotta sacrifice everything. On some dry, arid land with like bubbling lava or something. And they drink and sing songs. I'm the matrons of Mokai. It's going to be great. So that's what's happening. Um, Season episode five, man, I think was a hit. I'm digging this show. Um, 
most people that I talk to, you know, pretty soon we're going to have our going to have a little bit of a summit here and get some of my pals and critics on 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 the show to talk about how they're 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 loving it. I think by and large the reaction is good. There are a few negative voices out there whose opinions. Yeah, there. Uh, every negative reaction I've I've read or seen is all about. Six dollars on all access. Six dollars all access. The Klingons look different. Yeah. Uh, um, all things that we we've discussed before that we just uh, yeah, no, the, you have no argument. Yeah, those are those are I feel to be uh, childish arguments and and not really worth talking about. But you know there there is there are some people who are who are feeling that um, they're you know it, it's not feeling like Trek to them. And I think this episode more. I think there's more humor in this one. You know, we with with Anthony Rapp, we talked about the f bomb. I, I forgot. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to bring it up with with this with, with you know in a few minutes. We're getting on the phone with him in about ten minutes. Even though you'll hear it at the beginning of the show because we do things from right to left. Because I want to go home. Yeah, it's a long story. It's a long <laughs> week. Um, but yeah, and there's and Tilly's hilarious. Yes, that that, that was a very funny scene. I was yeah. very surprised that the, we had the, some f bombs. The lunch, yeah, that was great. First of all, I think they they even said. Um, I mean, actually, Samus. I mean, when he says it too, he's like, "No, you're right. It is." Yeah, like that he was has great. the second f bomb in all of. Uh, he has the first kind of like explicit gay, not explicit. I mean, explicit in that it is not implicit. Uh, gay relationship. And also, uh, he has the, the 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 second f bomb in Star Trek. <laughs> and somebody said shit earlier, but they've said shit on in the Star Trek movies before. Yes. In fact, in in two thousand nine, I am I am Spock. No shit. You know, it's pretty good. <laughs> and so that is what's going on. Um, and and Spock said horseshit and beyond, which was a great line. I thought. <laughs> That's right. No, no. Um, Bone said it or something. Right. Right. <laughs> um. Cool. All right, guys. Well, listen. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll be back. Uh. Soon, we have a Rain Wilson interview that's going to be coming up very soon. Yes, so now we, that we've seen uh, now we've seen Rain Wilson, we're going to lay that on you, and then hopefully more special guests, and then more recaps as the sh- the show continues. I've been getting all of your emails, tweets, and texts. There was a uh, by the way, Brian, your friend in Brazil says hello. Oh, great! Hi, yeah. hi, friend in Brazil. I forget his name, but there's a listener in Brazil who says, "Tell Brian he's the best." So uh, <laughs> I don't remember his name, but there you go. We're big in Brazil. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast, facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at, at Jay Hoffman. That's me. And be sure to go to StarTrek.com for all your Star Trek news. Until then, we will see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.